This is the Warm Springs Program on KWSO. John Charles is on the board of directors of Shripanya, a 501c3 public charity. KWSO had produced a Warm Springs program covering Shripanya. John is a former quarterback who made his way through his youth and adult years from high school to college to signing with an NFL team. He is currently more than halfway through an agility training program for youth that had started back in February and will come to a close on Sunday, June 4th. The training, which is being offered to youth in middle school and high school in the Warm Springs community, focuses on agility. John talks about his upbringing. When I grew up uh, in East Palo Alto, again, you know, it was hell, right? We didn't um, have all the resources, and so uh, the biggest thing people did was kind of sell drugs just to figure out a way to figure, feed families. And so I lost a lot of friends to um, death and some friends to prison. Um, because of the crime rate. And uh, from that point, you know, I had to figure out a way to get out myself. And so I used sports as an avenue. I played basketball, football, baseball, boxing, everything. We did it all. And then I just realized that football was my sport. I was, I played really well at baseball too, but I loved football. I ended up you know, counting on my role models, and my role models were my mom, supposed to be, right? My mom, your dad, you know, their guardian, whoever's watching over you, that's your role model. And so my role models, my mom was a career thief. Um, she would take the coffee creamers in your cabinet, and she doesn't even drink coffee, right? That was just her thing. And then my real father um, was a drug addict, and he tested all the drugs in the area to make sure the quality was good. And he tested so much that he eventually contracted AIDS through heroin usage. And he was using needles, diabetic needles, my grandmother's diabetic needles, to shoot. And so he contracted AIDS in the uh, late 80s. And then my uh, stepfather was an abuser, womanizer, physical abuser. And those were my role models. And so what I tried to do was go over to heaven, over to Stanford, and watch, you know, Stanford University, John Elway, John Pay, and just see how they did it. And so I was looking at those guys as my role models, but then I realized they weren't my role models. They were models playing a role. They were models playing a role. And I thought that's how life was. And it wasn't because they were just out in the field acting. But behind closed doors, you never knew what was going on in their life. And so I used sports to get out, and it was helping me. And then I eventually um, became an All-American through my hard work, through training, through watching, through doing the little things. When no one was watching, I was working. And I was doing it right because you can do sports a bunch. You can do 100 reps of something, but if you do it wrong, that just made you a bad player. So I had to figure out a way to do the exercise, to do the drills, and do it right and then do a hundred of those, and that made me a better player. And so through those sports, um, I realized this is helping me. And once I got through and on the other side, you know, I was trying to go to Oregon, USC, Florida, Alabama, whoever would take me. But back then, they frowned upon black quarterbacks in lead, lead positions. That person had to be blonde-haired, blue-eyed, right-handed. That's the quarterback they wanted because that's what – leadership look like to them and so for me being black left-handed you know six foot not really tall I broke all the stereotypes and so back then there were four quarterbacks Doug Williams Vince Evans Rodney Pete right there was a fourth that I'm forgetting but um, that's all they had 
And so here I come as a fifth, and they're like, no, 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 no. You, you don't fit the mold. We're not going to let you in. So I ended up having to go to Portland State University, right, to make it not USC like I wanted. I had to go Division Two. And once I got there, I was my goals. You know, I had goals. Goals without plans are only wishes. Everybody wants to win a championship. Everybody wants the Super Bowl. But whoever has the best plan wins. So for me, goals without plans were only wishes. So I went to Portland State, set up a good plan. I wanted to go to the NFL. So I went to work, did the footwork, did everything right, made the throws, did everything I was supposed to. And then I got an opportunity to go into the Atlanta Falcons, the NFL. But what held me back was a sustained a wrist injury in college and broke my left wrist, my throwing wrist. And so because I broke my left wrist, that's what sustained, that's what slowed me down. And 30 years to yesterday, because they just had the, the combine, the Atlanta, you know, NFL combine, the NFL draft, um, that was 30 years ago. Um, they said, you know, we're going to take you as a free agent. So I watched the entire NFL draft 30 years ago, waiting for my name to be called in one of those seven rounds, and it never got called. But then I get a call from Atlanta saying, we're going to take you. No matter what, we got you, right? So I was able to rest a little bit knowing that someone believed in me. John t- talks about the NFL and his journey after the NFL. When I got to the Falcons, then all of a sudden I'm ready to go. But psychologically in my head, I had to overcome this wrist injury because I had never had it before. So I couldn't think of my footwork and the drills and the reads. I had to think of the injury. So psychologically, mentally, I was messed up, low confidence, not really sure of myself. And so they ended up cutting me, releasing me, and I had to come home. And when I got home, you know, I had some money. And then I joined this company called Equinox International. And you can look it up. 2020, right? Equinox. Bill Gould, that's the guy's name. And I was told that if I joined this company, I could help sell water filtration, breath sprays, all natural, help the environment, and make money doing this. So I leaped in, I jumped in, I cannonballed into the water with all my money like I firmly believe in this. And it was a Ponzi scheme. It was a scam. They took all the money, everybody's money. The guy out of Vegas, the owner, was nearly arrested. So I ended up homeless and I was living with three other guys, Rex, Elliot West, Mark Ledoux. And we ate cereal with water, took showers with dish soap, had no heat, clothes in the back of our cars, trying to make it work. Now, remember, I just came from the NFL, so everybody knew me. I'm signing autographs. Homeless. They don't know that I'm homeless. So what was my saving grace was one of my friends had this huge bin with rice in it. You just take one of those huge, just fill it up tall. He couldn't count that rice, so I would get, you know, half a half a cup here and there, and that's what I was eating was rice with soy sauce. And then I ended up calling the San Jose Sabercats, which is an arena football team, indoor. It's almost like hockey playing football back in 1996-97. Huge. A lot of people got paid doing that. And so I ended up calling that team and said, send a rep to walk to Oregon and I want to, you know, train. I was already in shape. I wasn't eating right. So I was skinny in shape, but I could still throw that football. And so they ended up signing me to a contract. And while there, into my fourth game, I sustained a right uh, shoulder injury, grade three AC separation, right? 
So now that requires surgery. Career is over. And so I wanted to work with people's, you know, I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do next because it was always football. I never had that plan B. It was always football. So I ended up trying to work at banks with people's money. I worked at Title, started doing interest rates, and then I realized I wanted to work with kids. Loved working with kids again. So I said, let me work at a prison. I'll work at a prison. So I worked at McLaren Youth Corrections. Kip Kinkle, Seth Cook, these are long-termers, life uh, violent offenders, sex offenders, drug and alcohol, 382 inmates. So I get there and I'm working, love what I'm doing, enjoying what I'm doing. And there's racism everywhere, If you, you'll find it. Well, especially there. So my boss, Mike Rao, the late Mike Rao, rest in peace, was the head of the Gypsy Jokers bike gang. It's a racist bike gang. He was the president. He was great with me, and you would have never known that he was that type of person, ever. He wasn't that person. You just you would have never known. He was really respectful to me. Helped me cook, right? Give me recipes. Well, the people that he hired from his gang were the racist, and they were sending me emails and things like, hey, you know, can you imagine a weatherman in Florida? You know, hurricanes coming your way. Can you imagine what the weatherman will say? Hey, Hurricane Shanique was coming your way. Go grab your cheering and go to the nearest government office for your free shit, right? Totally racist. I was getting literature and stuff like that from these guys. Well, they did nothing about it, so I had to take it above Mike and go to the state and say, hey, I'm getting you know, harassed here. Well, they did nothing about it. John talks about his life before he began his training program. So one day at that prison, we had just started dealing with kids uh, doing cell extractions. So if you've ever seen a group on television in a prison and you see this group marching and they got the riot gear and they're marching and you see the guy with the shield, well, we started doing that on the inmates, on the kids, right, on the youth population. We were the first to do it. So one of the kids was in solitary confinement. He covered his window, little bitty window, and and whoever the staff was working with them in that section was like, Kyle, you need to take the paper off your window. And he used some profanity, basically saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Y'all come in and get me. And so Mike, you know, bike gang leader, put together the cert team and everybody's athletic. You know, Charles, that's me. Charles, suit up, right? Bouse, shoot up. Javier, suit up. Everybody's bigger than me. I'm six foot, six foot one. You got six two, six three, six six behind me. So I get to the door and there's an, you know, one of our staff's supposed to open it for me. I got the shield. I got the helmet, mouthpiece, shoulder pads, big old bio suit. Everybody looks the same except for the shoes. We all look the same. And we march to his cell. So as soon as the door's about to open, I can see inside of his toilet that he had a sweatshirt, but he was holding the dry end of the sleeve. It was an orange one. And I'm looking and I'm like, oh boy, whatever that is, it's about to hit me. Whatever substance that is in that toilet, it could be crap, whatever it is, it's going to hit me. And then I can hear my guys behind me whispering, Charles, box him in, box him in. And I'm going, okay, okay. I'm nervous, right? Because I'm going in. And as soon as the door opens, splat. And we're bulldozed in. Well, if you're looking at my thumb, as you can see, it doesn't bend. Because the thumb on the handle, from the shield handle, pushed all the way back and touched my wrist, my arm. It doesn't, not supposed to go that far. So I tore the ligament. But back then with that glove on and that bio suit, I couldn't see what, what had happened. I just thought it broke through the skin. So 
I'm trying to help this kid. Well, the staff member that put the handcuffs on his wrist used 12 clicks to, to tighten it, to put the cuffs on. Usually it's five. One, two, three, four, five. You hear the click, 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 click. That's normal. He used 12. So that cut off all the circulation. This kid's yelling my name. Charles, I thought we were better than this. Well, of course, I want to say, hey, Kyle, settle down. It's not me. You can't see me, but it's not me. That's that's Brian. The rest of the sales, because again, where is he at? Solitary confinement. The other sales hear him say Charles. Now they're rattling their doors. Charles, we're going to get you as soon as we get out of here. We're getting you. And I want to say, guys, again, settle down. It's not me. It's Brian. So I couldn't say anything because, again, it's the first time we've done this on who? The youth inmates. So supervisors, there's 11 of them behind that camera, making sure non-verbally pointing, making sure we do our job right because they don't want to mess up the first one. So, again, thumb is injured. I have no idea what's wrong with it, but I got to suck it up and be quiet. So I swallowed. I was like, man. You know, that's what humans do, right? You swallow, take a gulp. Well, it was salty. And I was like, oh, boy, I haven't sweat yet. What is that? And I forgot what was in his toilet. So I let that drool, I just let it drool. I wouldn't swallow for the next 15 minutes. And that drool, we had to take this kid to another room and lay him on a bed that looks like a lethal injection table. And we tie him down that he can't move. All he can move is his feet, his hands, and lift his head up. That's it. Well, the drool hit his foot, and they arrested me four days later. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used. Right. And now I'm my thumb, they had to put a plate in my thumb because I tore the ligament. So here I'm getting arrested, got a cast on my hand. I got to go to court and explain what happened. It's on film that it shows that I didn't do anything. And I get in there, and that judge pretty much said guilty. So I went home, cast on my hand, not sure of what I wanted to do next. I was not going to go work for somebody else that is going to control my outcome. You know, that kid was a four-year, a four-time felon. I didn't have any record, but you're going to believe that kid? John talks about his camp and why he chose Prineville. So I decided I'm going to start Air 14. I'm going to call it Air 14 Football Academy. But you know what? I'm going to look this up because when I look it up, it's going to be a national name one day. And so I found the name Air 14 out of Texas. Guy's name is Kevin Murray, Texas A&M. But he had this little video on his website. And I was like, oh, wow, that kid he's got on there is really, really good. You know, okay, well, since he has Air 14 locked up, just let me go on and take the four off of mine. And then I'll call it Air 1. And then how am I going to do this? I'm, I'm going to do this out of Washington. Check. I'm going to work with kids. Check. It's going to be football. Check. I just started checking off all the boxes. How much am I going to charge them for free? Check. And so then I started lining up these really, really good kids from the area to train. And then they would be my walking billboard. They would get me set up because they're already good. But now I get to help enhance them and make them better. So that kid from Air 14 is Kyler Murray, the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. It was his dad. So here I am running my camp, Air One, in Washington, Portland. Got kids coming from all over the country, right? And I had did that for 12 years, so from 2010 to now. So I ran it successfully. A lot of kids are getting drafted. Today, Jack Coletto, 
from Oregon State, you know, like I told you, is going to the 49ers. You know, so I'm extremely happy to see my kids that were kids back then now are going through. So we planted the seeds 2010, 12, 13, 14, 15, and now the fruit is starting to, to produce here in 2022, 23. And so what brought me to Prineville? People ask, why do you go from Portland, Prineville? Why, why here? Well, again, I had that football academy in Portland. And I kept getting people coming from all over the country to train. Well, I had one parent come from Prineville, and he would drive three hours, drop his son off, and then leave for an hour. And then I don't know where he was going, but then he'd come back and then pick his son up, and they'd come back to Prineville. And I was shocked. I said, three hours for one hour of training and another three-hour drive. And he finally said, John, I own a funeral home in Prineville. All I'm doing is dropping Ethan off. That's the kid's name, Ethan. Then I go drop this body off at the airport, and then I come back and pick him up. So now he's got my interest, and I want to know where Primeville is. So I finally came here to Central Oregon, saw that you could hunt, you can hike, you can fish, golf, all of that stuff within five minutes of each other in Primeville. And so I was like, wow. And then you got Facebook up there. And the history of Facebook, again, in the Bay Area where I grew up, East Palo Alto, Facebook is right there. The brains of Facebook is in East Palo Alto. That's the, the, the owner, the creator. The heart of Facebook is in Prineville. That's where the data centers are. And the reason why they chose there is because it cools off so cool at night that it cools off their software for free. They don't have to pay for it. So it, say they're saving millions. That's why they're there. Okay, so now I'm here in Prineville. I decided I want to jump in and help all of these kids again. So I started working for EDCO, Economic Development Central Oregon. I'm doing stuff for Shripanya. Um, I'm working at a treatment facility called Rimrock Trails, right, as a treatment aid for 12 to 17-year-olds, adults. Uh, Clear Alliance, where we just ran a commercial last week that you should be seeing air over the next month. And it's a national commercial where we're talking about prevention, uh, fentanyl, drug usage, alcohol, right? And so I'm in all these things where it's helping kids. Kiwanis board member, uh, where we're giving and volunteering for youth. Um, and I love helping them, right? And I want to make sure that these kids know that we love them, that there are alternatives. There are ways that you can get out of the environments that you're in, right? Just because you come from it doesn't mean you have to continue to be that. And so I've been through it and no one can tell me no. And so while I'm here and what we do with Warm Springs is we want to empower our kids here that they believe we don't want you looking down anymore. Because when you look down, that shows that you don't have confidence. So what we've been doing is planting the seeds back in February. Guys, we're going to create the soil. We're going to plant the seed. You're going to learn some things. And then probably in June, you'll start to see the fruit produce from your hard work. And we've committed to you guys uh, over 14 weeks of training, consistent. We're going to be here every single time, every single hour that we've allotted to help. Whether you show up or not, we're a storefront, we're going to be here. And so when the kids show up, you can see them improving. You can see their confidence going up. You can see them learning skills. They're not looking at screens. They're not playing switches. They're not sitting at home just laying around. They're here doing something that is helping them to be a uh, 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 promise to society. John shares a story and what his goal is with helping youth. The lion was given that title, and I'll tell you why. So, who's the biggest animal? It's 
the elephant, right? So we know he's not the biggest. We know he's not the smartest because that's the hyenas. We know he's not the fastest because those are the cheetahs. So if we determine that he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest, how did he get that title that he is the lion king of the jungle? It is because of his mentality. When he looks at that elephant, what is he thinking? Lunch. What is the elephant thinking? Run. Run. This lion could be right in the middle of a pack of hyenas, and they're literally laughing because that's what they do. (laughs) And he's like roaring and like, get away from me. I'm the king of the jungle. It's his mentality. And so we want our kids that anything that they do in life, they look at it as it's lunch and not run from it. Because the moment you run from it, then that's when injuries happen. That's when low self-esteem happens. That's when no confidence happens. So you got to attack everything that you do. Ask questions if you want to do it right. And then once you start doing it right, then you attack it. It's lunch, it's dinner, it's breakfast, whatever you want to call it. But you got to attack it and have the right mentality before you go in there. And so that's what I want for our kids here at the Warm Springs is to attack everything that they do with confidence. But ask questions along the way if they don't know how to do it. So we can teach them. And so this whole process, this whole reality um, is fun. You know, and I love seeing the kids grow. Shripanya, Jennifer Eels, Greg Mead, uh, Jarek Lovey, right? Our group, Haley, we love what we do. And, and it's our passion. And kids can tell this because they look at us and they can tell because we don't even look at the watches. We're just going and we're like, oh, wow, that happened already. It's done. And the kids can tell because we're still pouring into them without getting frustrated, without huffing and puffing, without looking at our own clocks, saying, okay, guys, time's up. We're going 20 minutes past the time. And kids love that, and the parents can see that. And that's why I think this is growing so fast is because they know that we love them. They know that we love them. And so Shripanya is uh, a program where we empower kids, we empower adults, And we're going to continue to do that for as long as people let us. And we're going to keep creating programs that is going to touch all lives. Transgender, BIPOC, black, white, yellow, green, kid, adult. We want to get everybody. We're not excluding anybody. And we're doing it with confidence. And that's what our program's about. And so we're going to continue to love. We're going to continue to be um, an asset and uh, outlet for anybody. And so thank you for having me. Thank you for believing in us, bringing your own kid to our program. But this is only just the beginning. That was John Charles, who organizes and coaches Next Phase, an off-season agility training program. I'm Duncan Bruno, reporting for the Warm Springs program on 91.9 FM, KWSO.